0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Waiting. Everybody say waiting. Waiting. Nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes to wait. And, And how appropriate is it that a sermon like this comes when we all spent last weekend hunkered down. I know you don't like using hunkered. I've seen all of your posts. But, but. Last weekend, we all were hunkered down, waiting on a hurricane to pass, and we postponed our anniversary service to this weekend, and so I've been waiting an extra week just to preach this message and for us to celebrate together. Celebrating 11 years. Can you believe it's been 11 years? Praise God for 11 wonderful years. Amen. And, and waiting is seldom fun. I, I, I've, I've Just rack my brain trying to figure out when is it fun to wait? It's never fun to wait. It's not fun to wait to open up Christmas presents on Christmas morning, it's not fun. Uh, Nobody enjoys waiting in line at Disney World. If you do, you're a moron, okay? Nobody enjoys waiting in line at Disney World. You don't like waiting in traffic. I don't like waiting in traffic. Nobody likes to wait for a drink refill. You know, if you're sitting at a table, I mean, many of us in the room, we determine how much we're going to tip on whether or not they keep our drink refilled or not, right? Uh, We, we don't like being put on hold and waiting on the telephone. We don't like that feeling. And and for those of you in the room that have had to suffer this week without electricity, you certainly don't like waiting for electricity, do you? Anybody in the room still waiting on electricity? These are the people that you smell right now. And (laughs) I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, Uh, kind of, kind of kidding, no. But on a more serious note, it's, it's tough when you're waiting on some major things to happen in your life. Like when you're waiting on Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. When you're waiting for, for marriage, it, it's just tough being in the waiting. I've been married since I was 20 years old. In the first 20 years of my life, it was tough waiting to get married. But, but for some of you, you're, you're older than 20. Much older than 20. And you're still waiting. You're still waiting. And, and, and I, I want you to be encouraged today, but, but I'm going to tell you the first half of this sermon is not going to be very encouraging, okay? Just stay with me, okay? Some of us, we need healing in our bodies. Or we know someone that needs a healing. And we've been praying for that. And it's tough when you're waiting for a healing. Because waiting is seldom enjoyable, but, but what we learn in the waiting can be the most valuable lessons in life because you can learn a lot about yourself while you're in the waiting. You'll learn your strengths and you'll certainly learn your weaknesses. When you're in the waiting, you will see who you are and your character more than you ever have before. And our inability to wait is the cause of so many hardships and the cause of so many problems in our lives because we get in a hurry. We like. To be in a hurry, everything is at our fingertips right now. I, I could literally sit right here on this stage, and I could order lunch through my smartphone. I I, I could handle most of my business from my phone. It's all instant. It's right there. I, I I can do all of my Christmas shopping from my phone, and and because life is so instant for us. We, we don't like waiting anymore, and so we rush into debt because we don't like waiting. We rush into career changes because we don't like waiting. We rush into relationships. We rush into marriage because we don't like waiting, and we have forgotten this lost practice of delayed gratification, and there's something to be, be said about that, that sometimes it, it's a good thing to delay gratification so that you can see the big picture and, and see if it's worth waiting for or not. I'll admit to you that I don't like to wait and my family will probably be the, the loudest ameners in the room right now whenever I say this. But when I'm ready to go, I want to go. <laughs> Told you. When, when we set a time and it's time to leave, I expect us to leave in that moment. And I get very grumpy when everybody is not waiting. That's enough from you. All right. I've learned this. I I can rush my kids. I can even rush my wife sometimes. But I can't rush God. I want to, but I can't rush God because I've come to the understanding that God does not operate on RST. Rocky Standard Time. He just doesn't. God doesn't operate on my time. I, I have deadlines I have pressing issues. I have a time frame of of how and when I want God to move and how and when I want God to intervene in my life. And and I've realized this about God is that God may have created the seven day week of working six days and resting one. God may have orchestrated certain feasts and festivals at certain times of the year, but that does not mean that he operates within the confines of my calendar. And seldom has he. In my life, I've realized that my calendar and God's calendar seldom ever line up. Let me show you what I mean. In Revelation 22 and 20, Jesus said this. He said, I come quickly. And 2,000 years later, we're still waiting. You see what I mean? His definition of quickly and my definition of quickly are completely different. Uh, and then we, we, we get to certain statements that the Bible makes, like in Psalm 90 and verse 4, that it says, a thousand years in your sight are like a day. A thousand years are like a day to God? I'm telling you, he doesn't operate under the same time frame that we do. And to make matters worse, God is very inconsistent with his response times. Oh, I just offended most of you in the room right there. You're like, how dare you talk about my God like that? I know that this statement is offensive. I know it is. But for those of us that are real and transparent, we're not afraid to admit that we don't always understand or even like God's timing. Everybody in the room is afraid that I'm about to get struck by lightning. (laughs) There are moments in life when God answers the need using high-speed internet. But then there's other times when he uses dial-up. And I know some of you in the room, you can relate to this. He usually reserves using high-speed responses on someone else. It it seems like it's very seldom on me. And when it's your problem, very seldom does he use high-speed responses to answer your need. It seems like God is sending all of our answers through snail mail. And the Bible is full of God's high-speed response time. So I know it happens. I know it happens because it's in his word. And so just to tick you off today, I want to read a few of them, okay? I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 8. And I'm actually going to read three passages of scripture here. I'm going to start in Matthew 8. Then I'm going to go to John chapter 5 and then Luke chapter 13. And I'm going to move quickly with this, okay? And it will all be on the screen. But Luke chapter 8, listen to this. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now we go over to John chapter 5. And in John chapter 5, we see another high-speed response from Christ, starting at verse 2. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once, at once, the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now to Luke chapter 13. I want to read from the New Living Translation, starting with verse 10. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent, she had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. The man with leprosy was immediately cured. Say immediately. Immediately. Because that's how we want it, right? Immediately. The the invalid beside the pool of Bethesda was cured at once. Say it once. at once. We, that's how we want our answers at once. And the disabled woman could instantly stand up straight. Instantly. Say instantly. Now, immediately, at once, and instantly, if, if we could pick how God answers our prayers when we have a need in our life, that's how we want it. We want it immediately, at once, and instantly. If, if we have our choice in the situation, God, answer my prayer immediately, at once, and instantly. And, and, and God, please, please don't hesitate. Please don't wait. Just answer it immediately, at once, or instantly. And we read of instances like these, and we wonder why God hasn't done the same for us. Why hasn't God done the same for me? If if I have this need in my life, and I've been praying to God, and I'm expecting God to do something, why then? Why hasn't God answered my need immediately? Why hasn't he answered mine at once or instantly? Proverbs 13 and 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And this is where we have to be careful, church. Because it's easy sometimes to lose hope. Hope deferred. It's easy for us to lose it. And it's times like these that we become disheartened. And if we're not careful, we will lose hope. We'll lose faith. And there are things that you're hoping for, things that you are praying for, and it just seems like they're never going to come to pass. And, 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 and I know that you walked into this room today and you, you were thinking, I need to be encouraged, Pastor. And right now, I am pretty much digging your grave for you right now. And I'm just pretty much saying God doesn't always answer for everybody the same way he answers for the other person. And seldom does he ever answer it instantly in your life. It just doesn't seem to work like that. And so what do we do? What do we do while we're in the waiting? While we are stuck in the waiting, what do we do? Let me teach you what not to do first. Try not to worry and definitely don't whine. That's easy for me to say because I got power back on Monday afternoon. Or actually Monday morning. It was like, I I think I was out for six and a half, seven hours. Some of you absolutely hate me right now. Somebody in the back is nodding their head. She was like, I get it. I understand. It's easy for me to say. It's easy for me to say, try not to worry and definitely don't whine. Okay. I had this basketball coach in high school and he loved to make the players run. He loved to make us run. And, and I, I, I we, we knew it. We, God, I don't understand some players. I don't get it. But if we were running and anyone started to complain, he would look at us and say, one more lap. One more suicide, one more sprint, one more lap. And it would drive me crazy because I'm looking at these guys going, you know if you complain, you know if you say something right now, he's gonna make us run more. Why, why are you doing this? And I've noticed that when you worry and whine, God will allow you to wander. When you worry and whine, God will allow you to wander. Uh, the Israelites, they, their, their journey from Egypt to the promised land Most scholars believe that it should have taken them about three to four weeks on foot walking through the desert, that if they just would have taken a direct line from Egypt to the promised land, three to four weeks traveling. But we know from reading their history, we know how they would often worry and whine. They were constantly whining to God. And so God allowed them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They complained about the water being bitter. They complained about being hungry. Later they complained that the food that God gave them when they were hungry wasn't good. And so when they finally complain, when they make it to the promised land and they complain that it was just too difficult, even though God had said, I am giving you this land, I will fight these battles for you. Even though God had told them that, they get there and they whine, they complain, and and God says enough is enough. And so God puts them out wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. C.S. Lewis once said, I am sure that God keeps no one waiting unless he sees that it is good for them to wait. Hmm. Waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of becoming who God wants us to be. You see, to us it's about deadlines, but to God it's about development. To us it's about convenience, but to God it's about character. To us it's about time, but to God it's about trust. It's about faith. Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. He said, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, just leave that verse up just for a moment because I want you you guys to see something that's very interesting here on how Jesus changes in the middle of the sentence from past tense to future tense. I've never noticed this until this week, how Jesus changes it right in the middle of the sentence because he says, believe that you have received it. Past tense, believe that you have received it and it will be yours, future tense. It's going to be yours. You have to act like you've got it before there's any evidence that you do have it. Before it's tangible, before you can grab hold of it, you've got to act like it's already there. And and when you thank God after you get it, that's called gratitude. That's wonderful and everything, but thanking God after you get it, that's just gratitude. Thanking God before you get it, that's called faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's more concerned about your faith than he is with anything else. He's more concerned about how much you trust him than he is about any other situation or condition in your life. You're more concerned with your situation or your condition but he's not. He's more concerned with your faith because your faith has the ability to move mountains. And so God is doing something inside of us while we're in the waiting. And if we will allow God to do that work inside of us, maybe, just maybe we'll come through it. Maybe we'll come through it and have that promise that we, we are holding on to. Maybe we'll have it on the other side. I love the way that Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, The Message Bible, describes our waiting. And I want to read just some portions of it out of Romans chapter 8. And again, this is his paraphrase. Not a a translation of the Bible, but but how he paraphrased it. Romans chapter 8. He says, all around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. That is why waiting does not diminish us. I love that phrase. Waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. You, you see that? We are enlarged in the waiting. Our faith grows, our trust in God grows in the waiting. We are enlarged in the waiting. We of course don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joy for our expectancy. That's why we can be so sure That every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Church, listen to me. Waiting does not have to be a bad thing. Waiting doesn't have to be bad. If we allow it, it can stir up the thrill of anticipation. For instance, take our new building construction. I have been tempted to be very upset at times, I have controlled my temper. We could get upset. I mean, we did break ground a year ago. You remember that, right? You remember how hot it was under that tent a year ago? I mean, you're think, thanking God that we didn't do that again. Like, yeah, yeah, it's worth the wait, right? We could be upset. Of course, there's something that's happening out there. There's already some site prep that's been done. You can't see it, it's all underground. It's enlarging out there right now, but you just can't see it. Stuff that has to be done. We could be upset or, hear me out, we could allow the anticipation to create an excitement that, hey, we're getting a new permanent home, amen? We could allow that excitement to be stirred up inside of us. And it's interesting that Paul compares our waiting to being an expecting mother. What does a mom-to-be do while she is expecting tell you what she does she'll go out and buy some maternity clothes because she knows that she's going to get bigger and so she'll buy maternity clothes and ex- expecting her body to change she'll buy baby clothes she'll buy diapers and all kinds of supplies that she will need there in that nursery and then she will theme out the nursery and she'll get it all decorated I know when when 20 years ago, when we were expecting our twins, Caleb and Kendall, Mandy decorated the whole nursery in Noah's Ark because we have them two by two. (laughs) True, true. The whole nursery was Noah's Ark. A mom-to-be does all of this because she is eagerly awaiting the arrival of what she cannot see. And Paul said, that's how your waiting should be. It's gotta be like that expectant mother that is eagerly awaiting the blessing that is going to come. You see, we could sit around church and we could pout and we could be upset with architects and engineers. We could be ticked off that the value engineering is is taking way too long. But instead, here's what this church has done. We have seen this as an opportunity to prepare our nursery. We're getting it ready. Because there's an expected arrival. It's coming. And so we've been buying furniture. That's what we've been doing. We've raised the funds to buy 550 new chairs. Not these chairs. Nice padded chairs that are going to be in our new sanctuary. We've already raised that money. Amen? (laughs) We're preparing our nursery. No, literally we are. We've raised money for all the children's ministry furniture, including cribs and rocking chairs. We are preparing our nursery. We've started raising money for a nice playground that's going to be outside of our children's wing. And we're excited about that and we are eagerly awaiting to give birth destiny community church we're pregnant with expectation it's just taken longer than nine months but 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 we we are eagerly anticipating this arrival and so let me ask you on a personal note what are you waiting for what are you waiting for do, do you need a blessing in your life do, do you need a financial breakthrough Do you need your marriage to be better? Not a better marriage, but um, your marriage to be better? Are you waiting for children? I know some of you are. Mandy and I are believing and praying with you. Are you waiting for those children? Are you waiting on that healing that you need in your life? It's tough to wait. But I guarantee you this, and this might be the boldest statement that I'll make today. I guarantee you that God is going to bless you immediately, at once, and instantly. And in closing, I'm going to show you. Because you missed this. We read it straight from God's Word today, but you missed it. What we don't realize is that the day that that man found out that he had leprosy was the same day that he wanted to be healed. We have no idea how long it was between the day he found out that he had leprosy until the day that he encountered Jesus, we don't know. But when God wanted to to heal him, he immediately healed him. The invalid at the pool of Bethesda, we read it. The Bible said he had been in that condition for 38 years, 38 years. That's the majority of my life. For 38 years he had been in that condition. Do you know how many times he probably prayed to the God of Israel to heal his body? But it wasn't until God was ready that he healed him at once. This disabled woman that had been that way for 18 years, she didn't even ask to be healed that day. Go back and read it. She never once said, Jesus, will you heal me? Do you know how many times before that day that she hoped of a different tomorrow, though? Over 18 years, how many times she wanted to be healed? So Christ spoke to her infirmity. The scripture says, instantly she was healed. And when God has finished his work in you through your trial, I promise you, you will have an immediate healing. You will see his work at once and you will experience his promise instantly, guaranteed, it'll happen. But I want you to listen close to me. Being patient and trusting God, it's not passively waiting. That's called laziness. As Christians, we don't passively wait. When we're in the waiting, we prepare for God's blessings now. So we start building our nursery. As Paul said, we're like that pregnant mother-to-be. And we start preparing now for the blessing that God is going to give us. Oh, the blessing may look completely different than what you expect it to look like. I'm not guaranteeing that. God knows what you need for your life more than you you know what you need for your life. But as we wait, we prepare. We start acting like it's already here. Even though it's not. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're expecting, you're expecting. What are you gonna do about it? How are you gonna prepare for that blessing? Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.